Advanced Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Rutelli. Today, we are very lucky to be joined by the hottest coach in America, High Points, John Torpy. Torps, how you doing today? Good, Chris. How you doing, buddy? You, I'm doing great, man. You are doing good. You must be riding pretty high. You guys are 4-0. You just beat UVA. You beat Drexel. You beat Duke. How are you guys doing this, man? Uh... You know, it's funny. It's no uh, no secret recipe. It's just hard work and bringing in the right people. And I tell people all the time, like, we're big proponents of recruiting great kids who have great parents. And, um, you know, we bring guys in here that want to work and that want to kind of abide by the rules of our program. And it's a, it's a pretty disciplined environment. And, you know, we do a lot of stuff fundamentally to help these guys become better players. And we have a kind of our own base system of fundamentals that we follow both individually and team-wise. And, you know, I just think this year you've got great buy-in um, from our seniors, which trickles down to our juniors, our, our sophomores, and our freshmen. And it's a really, it's a really good group of guys. It's a fun group to coach. So no, uh, no crazy uh, flash in the pan answer, but yeah, it's uh, it's been, uh, you know, seven years of bringing in the right people and doing the right things with them. Yeah, yeah, I bet, I bet. Well, you, you mentioned you've been there seven years. This has kind of been building. Were you expecting this start this year? to come out and, and beat Duke and, and UVA and go 4-0 to start the year? Yeah, I don't know if we were expecting, you know, the 4-0, but we thought we'd have – we thought we had a good team. I think, you know, it starts with our goalkeeping. Um, Timmy Troutner is fantastic, and he's had a really uh, great start to the year. It does a lot for us. I think, you know, a lot of people just see his saving ability, but what he does in the clear, what he does in our ride, what he does as a seventh defenseman outside the cage, and, you know, just the way the guys in front of him love playing for him. Um, he's as good of a leader back there as, as I've ever seen. And then, you know, our face-off group um, from our face-off guy to our wings have done an exceptional job. I think, you know, we've got a, a fantastic uh, ex-Dodger national thing and a great finisher in Chris Young and, you know, a guy, Ben Baker, who's just been kind of both. He's been a finisher, he's been a feeder. Uh, he's done a great job of riding and, and, you know, adding personality to our attack. And then we've gotten some really just – great effort from our defensive midfielders, our poles, our close guys, and our middies. So, you know, it's just, it's a total team effort across the board, but there's definitely some guys there that have, you know, really popped in these first couple of games. Yeah, so talk about some of those guys, um, like Trotner and, and Asher. Did Were they the best re- um, high school players Come, coming out when you're recruiting them, in your opinion, or have you guys been developing them and have you seen them just really level up this year? I think both of those guys were uh, pretty high-end recruits. I don't think they were, um, you know, they were maybe a little late to the process uh, in terms of their commitments to us. But, um, yeah, both guys were just exceptional talents, and you could see it, um, you know, kind of early in the early stages of where they were. And I think they've done a great job of just developing within our program and understanding our offenses and our defenses. And, you know, but we, we typically are a program that, um, you know, brings guys in and, and kind of worries less about where they're ranked or what their accolades are and worries a lot more about, you know, are they coachable? Are they good kids? Are they going to, like I said, abide by the kind of rules of our program? And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a rarity to say that you've got, you know, it's 100% buying in your locker room, but but I can tell you this is a pretty hardened group. This is a group of guys, you know, outside of our freshmen that started, you know, that had a tough 2017 season where we struggled, you know, in certain aspects of the game, and then you know our 2018 team comes in and we start 0 and 6, and we were able to 
you know, turn around and win a regular season conference championship and, and share that with Richmond. Um, but this is a group that, you know, has been through a lot. And, you know, there was a lot of guys in that locker room that maybe didn't play that much as freshmen or maybe got some time as freshmen and then kind of went out of the lineup that weren't the, you know, highly touted recruits, but they've worked extremely hard and they've, you know, they've, they've found a role, uh, whether it's, you know, cheering guys on and pumping guys up and coaching guys up on the bench or whether it's, you know, being in games and, um, you know, being someone we rely on, you know, one day a week as, as uh, you know, a guy that can finish or, or, you know, play good defense. So it's, it's like I said, it's a, it's a fun group to coach. And, you know, Timmy and Asher are obviously exceptional, but there's a lot of other guys on that team, you know, that, that um, you know, don't get the accolades that they deserve that I would say are some of the best position players in the country in terms of what they do. Well, it's clear watching you guys play. You've, you've done an amazing job developing um, a special culture and team chemistry specifically with, with this team. And you can tell the guys love it. They play hard. Uh, you can tell they love each other. Um, I was heartbroken watching the UVA game a little bit as a UVA fan, but I was also just so impressed with the way your team rallied. I mean, you guys went down 3 nothing. Game could have kind of got away from you, and they, they seemed unfazed and just you know stayed at it. What do you do to develop that great chemistry and culture on your team? Like I said, it's it's parents, um, you know, and and it's not cliche. It's it's the God's honest truth. And you know, when I started this program seven years ago, I, I had a great conversation with Andy Shea, who's a very good friend of mine, a guy that I respect a whole great deal, and he's had a ton of success in the sport. And I said, you know, what differentiates you guys from other great programs? And he said, we recruit great parents. You know, we have a culture where, um, you know, when things go wrong. Uh, we don't have people, you know, call and say, you know, why, you know, why, why are you picking on your son type of stuff? It's, you know, we'll, we'll make sure we fix that. And, uh, you know, I can, I can tell you, you know, if there was anything and we don't really have issues off the field, knock on wood with our guys, they do a great job socially. They do a great job academically. And I think they know the standards of our program, but, um, you know, when we do, and we have in the past have had something we have to address. Um, I always know that I've got, you know, the right kid, because I'll call a parent and say, I'm disappointed in your son. And, and, you know, instead of pointing the finger at me and saying that, you know, I did something to him, they'll be like, you're right, he's wrong. And he needs to fix it or he's coming home, you know, and when you have those kind of people in your program, and you have those kind of kids that have come from good, strong, disciplined environments, you know, you can be authentic in the way you coach guys. And I tell our guys all the time, I'm 41 years old, and you know, I've been this for 18 years. And I'm at a point in my career now where I only want to be around two people, people that I like and people that I trust and people, you know, that I want to be around and, and that I, you know, enjoy being around. And, and I feel like, again, um, you know, we've worked very hard to eliminate any sort of personality that could come into our locker room and disrupt it. And usually when there is, they get figured out pretty quickly or, you know, and they'll, they'll leave or they, you know, don't end up coming here. But, you know, we've, we've, we've really filtered through, um, you know, anyone that's going to disrupt this thing and, and, uh, you know, just, you know, whether it's Owen six last year and having our alums text us and say, coach, we love you. You're good. We got this thing going with parents of former kids or, you know, it's four and oh, or it's three and oh, after the Drexel game with 25 guys. And, you know, we're seven years old as a program. We had 25 guys and probably, you know, 30 parents of alums at that game saying like, we love what you're doing. Thanks for what you've done for our kids. And they saying that to everybody on staff and, you know, some of the guys that were there, it's, it's special, you know, and it, it, um, you know, it's, you can say whatever you want about wins and losses, but that kind of stuff to me is, is what this thing's all about. Yeah. That's all. How, how, 
How do you identify that when you're talking to prospective players and parents? You know, what stands out as this is going to, this guy's got good character. Th- these are great parents. What, like, how, how do you tell? It's a great question. Um, you know, what's funny is it's, to me, it's feel, um, you can feel it right away. You know, you just can. And, uh, I was raised by great parents. You know, I've got an amazing wife. I've got, um, some fantastic friends and I just know the kind of people I want to be around. And it's like one of those things where when you walk into an environment, you feel it right away, either you want to be there or you don't want to be there. And, um, you know, typically the parents that, you know, are saying things or, you know, they come in with a little bit of a, um, you know, a track record. Maybe you had a conversation with a high school coach or maybe you talked to somebody in that locale. And, you know, if, if somebody were to ever say to me, like, you don't want this kid or you don't want this parent, um, they're a complete pain in the ass. Pardon my French. There's a good likelihood that we're not even bringing them on campus. Um, yeah. We hear things like you'll love the parents or he's a fantastic kid, um, you know, and then you get a chance to see them and meet them in person. You know, as people that deal in the profession of, you know, working with people every day and trying to mentor people, you just have a knack for finding the right people that you want in your culture. And I think, again, if you're, you know, raised the right way and you've, you know, you've got a moral compass and, you you know, you try to do things the right way and you're, you know, and it's, it's, it's a standard that you want to you know, live up to and you ask your children to live up to and you ask your guys to live up to, you'll, you'll find them pretty quick, the people that you want on board. Yeah, that's great. So how good do you think this year's team can be? Um, I think they could be, you know, even a lot better than where we are right now. Look at, you know, right now our assistants are in our, in our locker room, um, watching film with our guys, you know, of all the deficiencies that we've had over the last two games that we didn't get a chance to break down the Drexel and UVA game. And, um, you know, it's, it's a long film. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there offensively and defensively in the middle third of the field that, and honestly, it was disappointing that there you know, were things that we touched on and things that we worked on that we didn't execute on. You know, so for us, uh, I think we're just scratching the surface of kind of who this team can be. And I think if we can, you know, continue to be humble and continue to be hungry and continue to, you know, remain, we've been pretty fortunate in terms of injuries, um, you know, out of those situations, then I think they could be, I think they could be, you know, one of the best teams I've ever had the opportunity to coach. I love it. Um, take me through, like, what are your practices like? How are you, um, how do you structure them? And are you doing anything different to, to get your guys playing at this high level? Um, I think the biggest thing is I'd say probably four of the five days that we practice during the course of the week, we try to make things competitive. Um, we try to get the guys, um, you know, competing against one another and have a consequence for, uh, for the, for the winner, I'm sorry for the loser. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know how many people do that, you know, as the, you know, during the season, maybe that's something people focus on a little bit more in the fall. We try to continue to keep that going. And, um, I think the biggest thing though, in practice is, you know, whether, you know, we have uh, 50 somewhat guys on our team. And I think the thing that the guys will tell you is they never leave practice and they're not, you know, they're, they're not tired. I mean, they're always tired. Sorry. They, there's not, there's not a day that goes by where those guys aren't sweating and, and, you know, could probably fall asleep right after practice with how much we do. Um, and that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I mean, we build up to the week, um, on Thursdays and Fridays, we go a little bit more up tempo instead of kind of slowing things down. And, um, you know, we try to do some things where, you know, I know a lot of people do scout on two ends of the field. We do scout on one end of the field. 
and everybody's there watching and it's, you know, we put time restrictions on things. We do a lot of scenario stuff in our six on six, but we get up and down the field every day. Uh, we try to compete. We'll try to scrimmage at certain points of the year, even during the season. You know, we try to do that maybe once or twice a week, do some, you know, some, there'll be some, um, you know, things that the guys will compete for and play for. Uh, I got this from one of my old players, Bart Sullivan. We'll put a cooler out every once in a while and the guys will play for what's that, whatever's in the cooler. Maybe it's a day off. Maybe it's uh, cold snicker bars like you get at the uh, the turn going to the back nine. Um, maybe it's, you know, Gatorades or whatever. But it's just anything we can do to amplify the competition in practice, uh, we do. And then you know, just as a team, I never, ever want, you know, one of our guys that might be on the scout team to ever feel like he's, you know, not going to have an opportunity to compete. So I think by competing like that during the year and just we try to give um, try to give guys an opportunity to play, um, you know, in openers and throughout the course of the game that they work their ass off in practice that week. So, you know, against um, against Virginia, we gave uh, Matt Sellers, uh, one of our sophomores, the opener. And, um, you know, it was based on the fact that the week before he gave us such a great look with. Uh, one of the guys that we asked him to emulate from Drexel. And, you know, by rewarding him with that, you know, the team gets unbelievably fired up and it gets everybody's eyes on that first possession. And, you know, we've had we've been doing that now for six years. And when one of those guys, you know, that, that gets pulled up from the scout gets to get the opportunity to get to be in the opener and they hit one, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a melee on the bench. So little things like that. I mean, I just love having all of our guys engaged and, you know, the more competition we can create in practice and um you know the more we have everybody on board the better off we are and you know those guys know that you know we win a championship or you know we we have success at the end of the year there's no there's no stats on the on the shank of the ring so everybody knows that they have an important job on our team and those guys do a great job of just being teammates from from top to bottom I love that. Is it true too? I read somewhere. I think Jamie Monroe wrote about it when he was talking. He was at your practice. If if there's a goal scored and the goal scorer does not point and call out the guy who had the assist, then it's no goal in the practice. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. That's Dean Smith, man. Point to the passer. I, mean, I love that. A long time, and yeah, we do some quirky stuff. I mean, we have we have all kinds of stuff we do. If you come to one of our Practices, it's pretty fun. I mean, the guys have a good time, and, and uh, you know, it's always nice when people. I invite people all the time. Anybody, you know, who's not on our schedule wants to come out and watch practice. They can. <laughs> uh, what are you guys playing in on offense primarily? Do you have a base set, or does it always change? Uh, it changes. It changes based on our opponent. We've got a couple primary looks that we run. Uh, we like to run out of a one-three-two a fair amount, and you know, we like to re-dodge on the wings and. We'll do the same thing out of a two-one-three set, and then uh, we do some stuff from the bottom up. We've got you know exceptional guys back there that can invert and that can you know Asher and, and Benny can put a lot of pressure on you as Dodgers, and then um, you know a lot of um, you know not a lot of set pieces, but some wrinkles kind of within those offenses that will run based on our opponent. Yeah, cool. So, so you you've been at High Point for seven years. Um, you played at Ohio State. Um, and we're a three-year captain there. How did you get into coaching? When did you decide you wanted to be a college coach? Uh, that's a great question. And I always like kind of pointing back to uh, Mike Thomas, who was my uh, coach at Calvert Hall as a, uh, as a junior there. And I, and I was kind of um, – that was my junior year in high school. I, I hadn't really thought about going to college. I wasn't a great student you know, at the time. And I was kind of – 
um, I don't want to say like going down a bad path, but I was just kind of, I guess, kind of being lethargic. And uh, I remember Mike Thomas pulled me aside and he's a legendary coach in Baltimore. And, and he just said, you know, you have the potential to play division one lacrosse, but it, it's, it's, it's becoming apparent that you don't care about it. Um, you don't do well in school. You know, you don't put any time in after, after practice or inside of, sorry, this was my sophomore year, uh, outside of practice. And it just like a light switch went off in me and, and, um, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm never, ever going to be anything but the hardest working kid from here on out. And, uh, you know, what Mike did for me, you know, resonated. And I said, you know what, if I have the ability to be able to do this in somebody else's life, I want to do this. Because that moment for me, when he said that to me, and then from that point forward where he started to believe in me and made sure I was, you know, doing my schoolwork and, you know, monitoring what I was doing outside of practice, you know, I felt the impact he had on my life. Um, you know, was was so meaningful that I said, I want to, I want to do something like this. So it was my really going in my junior year of high school, I made a decision that I want to be a college lacrosse coach. And, and um, you know, from that point forward, um, you know, there was, there was, there was no stopping me. So I had an opportunity to, you know, leave college and go work at Denison for Mike Caravan. And then went to Goucher with Kyle Hannon and, you know, with Jamie at Denver and Andy up at Dartmouth. And, you know, I've kind of loved every stop I've, I've been at along the way and I've learned a lot from so many people. And, and um, you know, I couldn't imagine myself doing anything different. That's awesome. Um, so I'm interested. What's your take on the on recruiting right now? There's, the new rules have kind of cycled through a year. If there's anything you could change, what would it be? Um, I don't know if I'd change anything. I, you know, what's funny is recruiting cycles like they almost like don't mean a whole lot to me. Um, you know, I look at the guys we have in our program: Asher, you know, Timmy, Dave are all great examples. I mean, they were all guys that committed to us um, either in their senior year or, you know, after they had graduated their senior year. You know, so for me, um, I know there's always great players out there late. I know there's some guys out there early that we need to get on, you know, if we want to bring in an exceptional kid early. But I don't panic at recruiting. I mean, I know we're bringing in good kids, and I've always felt like recruiting great, great, you know, great players and, and great people is is important, but so is developing and more they get here and as long as there's someone that has a good base athletically and fundamentally and you know is coachable i feel like we can turn them into, into something pretty good so yeah i've not I've, i haven't been um you know crazy about changing anything or you know i haven't felt really um you know one way in particular about certain things that have come out and you know just kind of go with the flow yeah do you do you feel like high point needs to have a different approach than say a school like duke or uva or hopkins um yeah i do i mean you know we don't we don't typically um you know get the super blue chip guys i mean some of those guys are interested um but you know i think there's 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 i think there's a lot of people out there that you know want to go to uh schools like that you know that purely based on the fact that they're exceptional academic institutions. And, you know, when you look at our sport and, um, you know, the ultimate finish line is to get a great job, you know, on Wall Street or to get a world of finance or banking and make a lot of money. It's not to play professional cross. Maybe that changes, but, you know, where it is right now is, you know, you're not going to have a 15-year sustainable career in the MLL or the PLL and, and you know, be a multimillionaire by the time you finish. So you better be able to have something else. So, you know, those high-end academic schools, the IVs, uh, the surface academies, you know, the, you know, some of the ACC schools, um, you know, the, those, those places are always going to be desirable in terms of where people want to go. 
Um, but there's other great places out there too, you know, and I always like remember this saying, one of my buddies, fathers who was on wall street told me said you know 50 percent of people that work on wall street are from the ivy league in those schools but the other 50 you know aren't and if you work hard you'll be able to get to the point where you know you're on an even playing field with some of those guys because you know those guys that work for it a little harder coming out sometimes cherish it a little bit more um, than those that are given opportunities but you know yeah i mean and, and you can't knock the track record of those schools either i mean schools like uva duke and and, and unc i mean the track record of you know, what they've done, um, not only academically, but, you know, the coaches that they have there are all fantastic and programs that have won national championships. So I think, you know, we, we like to get in the ring with those guys and, and try to get recruits from them. But, you know, ultimately, we also know, you know, the type of guys we're going to get. And, you know, a lot of the times we try to butt heads with those guys too much. We, we end up not getting those guys and, and, you know, puts us in a position where later we're kind of scrambling. Yeah. At- has uh, college lacrosse changed a lot since you started coaching, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of like rules and things of that sort. Or just, or... Yeah, rules, players, where they come from, you know, just the general growth of the game, too. Uh, no doubt about it. I mean, my God, there's so many fantastic players now playing, you know, in so many different places. And I mean, you know, I come out to your event every year and just always blown away with not only the talent, um, not only the athletes, but just how like, just how like good of people these kids are. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you go out to California, you go to Texas and, you know, even, you know, places that aren't, you know, remote like Philly and Baltimore and the kids are just so engaged and they listen and they, you know, they want to be taught and, and, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's just so fun. I mean, you know, recruiting to me and, and just the landscape of lacrosse and the growth of the game at the college level and, the different programs that are playing, you know, I always joke. It's like, if you said high point was going to be ranked, you know, seven years ago, um, you know, people would just laugh at you. And, and now, you know, programs like high point and Richmond, you know, Jacksonville is doing a great job. You know, you've got all these schools now that are kind of popping up in the South and, and all over the place, Utah. I mean, it's just, it's really cool to see the game grow um, at this level and the division three level, division two level. There's just so many opportunities for guys now. Yeah. So, do you, if, if, I assume some of the some big schools are going to come and maybe try to recruit you away from High Point. Would you ever consider going at this point? Yeah, I mean, I love it down here. I mean, honestly, um, my wife loves it. I love it. My kids love it. You know, I got three kids now. And, you know, I had this conversation with um, Brian Fisher up in Monmouth. Uh, you know, guys that have started their programs from scratch, I, it's it's so hard to leave. I mean, it would be so hard to leave this place, you know, and, and, um, you know, go anywhere else. I just have so much invested in here, um, from a time standpoint, you know, the care of the people. And, uh, I don't anticipate leaving. I mean, I love it. I know my wife loves it. Like I said, my kids love it. And, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to work at a school that, you know, cares a great deal about, about lacrosse and our athletic director is, um, you know, such a big fan of what we're doing and our university president. I mean, I don't know how many university presidents, you know, get sent texts to their coaches after games, but, you know, he texted me telling me to come over to his house for dinner. I mean, that's just, that's unheard of, you know, and, and, uh, I don't, I've never been in a place where that's happened before. I don't know if I ever would be at a place where that, where that would happen. And, you know, our guys get treated like, you know, big time, big time players around here. So, um, to answer your question, you know, I, a lot of the times I say it's not my decision whether I leave or not. Sometimes, you know, my athletic director or my boss will say it's time for you to go. But 
I hope I get to stay here as long as I want. <laughs> That's you mentioned, you know, you've got so much invested in your seven years. Can you give me like a quick overview of, of how you've built this to where it is today over the past seven years? If you could remember back to when this all started, when you went to high point. Oh man. You said this is going to be a 30 minute podcast. <laughs> this one's going to take 30 minutes by itself. Take, like, uh, yeah. Two hours. Um, yeah, it starts with, um, you know, it, it starts with recruiting the right people. And I think the right people were our staff when we started. And um, I was fortunate enough to start the program with one of my best friends, Pat Tracy. And uh, Mike Phipps came down and Ron Garling and Ryan Cassidy and John Hollis. And, you know, I think of the guys that I've had the opportunity to work with. And now Kenny and, and uh, Brochard and Justin Tuma and, and Connor McKemmy. And I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But it's those guys. I mean, my assistants, my staff, I mean, these guys are, you know, guys that I would consider some of my best friends and guys that have done, you know, so much for this place, not only in helping to build, you know, um, just kind of what we saw as, you know, the culture that we wanted to kind of emulate, but, you know, just bringing in the right people, the right parents, like I've said numerous times, you know, bringing guys that value their education, you know, just putting together kind of our entire manual of kind of how we want the program to run, putting together a manual for our parents in terms of, you know, what we needed from them and our expectations. And, you know, that stuff that we put together in year one is still something that we hand our guys, you know, every year, the first day of practice, it's about 130 page manual as to, you know, what we need to do to be where we want to be. And you know, it might be overkill, but it pretty much covers most of the things that will happen during your four years here from, you know, the struggles you'll have as a freshman to, you know, the expectations of, you know, how we stand for the national anthem to, I mean, you name it. And, uh, like, I mean, that's a, it's a shorter answer than I could probably, <laughs> um, but it's a lot of people. It's a lot of hands. It's having a wife that, you know, allows me to, you know, be in the office. It's having kids that, you know, are, are, are happy seeing their dad maybe only for an hour and a half every day when, you know, other dads in our neighborhood are, are home for three hours a day. And, um, there's, there's, there's so many hands that go into building something like this that, um, it, it would be, like I said, it would be impossible to, to mention all those names and talk about all the little things we've done. But, and then it's just the guys that came here. I mean, the, the original, the initial guys that, that, that bought into this lunatic who had this crazy vision <laughs> of the program could be, and, you know, sitting here and saying things without, you know, a $10 million building or without a, you know, a locker room, without a uniform, without a helmet. And, you know, they start to believe and they start to buy in. And the next thing you know, um, they're laying this incredibly solid foundation of what your program is, both socially and academically and, and, and you know, effort-based wise that, um, you know, the guys that come in after that feel like they have an obligation to live up to those expectations. And, you know, it's one thing when you have alums and they, they play here and they leave, but we have alums that, that, that stay. I mean, we have alumni that are, that are always around and, and guys that are always texting the current guys and, and, you know, helping them. And, and, and it's just, it's, 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 it's almost remarkable, you know, and I was fortunate enough. I tell people all the time to play for Joe Bresci at Ohio State. And I knew Joe Bresci cared a great deal about the people that we had in our locker room. And uh, he still does today at the University of North Carolina to the point where, you know, we had a group of guys who became best friends. And, and you know, when I got married, six of the seven guys at my wedding party were guys I played with at Ohio State. And people I vacation with now are guys I play with at Ohio State. And, you know, the godfathers of my children, Ohio State guys, you know. So um, I want that same experience for the kids 
have in our locker room. I want the same experience for their parents. And, you know, we talk about sometimes um, just dynamics that are created with our program and how we've run things and, you know, things that you don't typically think about when you're picking a school. I mean, for me, you know, I still have a tremendous relationship with guys I played with parents. I mean, and that's, it's crazy. I mean, you know, I think parents that, you know, of, of guys that I played with that would probably want to see me more than they'd want to see their own kid. And then my parents would probably want to see their kid more than they want to see me. You know, and it was, <laughs> you know, when you go to tailgates and you, you know, you're post game and you're hanging out with the parents or you're, you know, you're going on a trip in the summer and you're staying with people's families. You just want to know that you're around good people. And, um, you know, when you have exceptional people, it typically turns into success. So the people, that have built this thing, you know, along with me and the, and the parents and the players. I mean, all of them have had a hand in kind of turning this thing into what it is now and, and hopefully what it will be in the future. I want to transition for a minute just into, like, what does it take to be a great college lacrosse player? I, I'm, I'm interested. What do you, what do you think is the most underrated skill for a lacrosse player to have? Um, it's, it's, it's being coachable. Um, you know, this is a sport where you don't have to be the biggest, fastest, strongest guy, but if you can do some unique things and you can take coaching points and you can add layers to your game, I think you have the ability to, 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 you know, be successful. And, um, I mean, you know, you play with guys, you know, at UVA that were God's gift in terms of their athleticism, but, you know, it never really came to fruition because they didn't have the, you know, peace between their ears that allowed them to grow. Whereas you probably play with some other guys that, you know, might not have been blessed with, you know, the ultimate athletic ability or skill, but they worked their ass off and they ended up getting great opportunities solely based on that. Um, you know, I think that's a big piece. And I think the other is, you know, you have to check three boxes to be successful in college. You got to do what you need to do academically to be successful. You got to go to class, get to know your professors. You got to do your work. You know, socially, you have to surround yourself with people that make the right decisions. You know, and you can't be a giant personality coming into school as a freshman and, you know, be forced to live up to that and, you know, be the party guy or be the guy that brings attention to himself all the time. And you need to be somewhat humble and, you know, remain hungry. And then lacrosse wise, you know, you can never put your head on the pillow at night with any sort of effort related issue that, you know, is going to hold you back from, from taking a step forward that day, you know, and if you live by those three things, um, you make good, you know, you make good decisions academically and socially and you, you know, surround yourself with the right people and you put forth a great effort every day. You're typically going to be successful whether you step on the field or you don't, you know, and I think that's one of the things parents kind of get caught up on. I think sometimes it's just my kid isn't playing. He's a failure. It's like, no, it's not the case at all. You know, your kid might never step on the field, but if he's in an environment where it's discipline and he's learning and he's getting an education, he's you know, surrounding himself with people that'll be his best friends for the next 50 years. I mean, what else could you ask for? You know, anything that comes in the, in the line of playing, playing time or success or accolades is just icing on the cake. And you know, that's the way I've kind of approached, um, you know, dealing with my kids. It's, you know, I don't push lacrosse on them. I don't push sports on them. They like playing them because I'm around them all the time. But, you know, I can't, I can't imagine like, you know, being disappointed in my kid just because he's not playing. I just want them to do something they love and have fun and, you know, you know, just work hard to you know, continue to get better at it every day if they're passionate about it. Yeah, that's great. Is there an overrated skill? Is something that people pay too much attention on that doesn't really translate into college? Mm, it it kind of depends on the position, I think. You know, I think sometimes people fall in love with the guys that kind of start to play, um, not 
really the guys that are the in-between or the guys that finish the play. And, um, you know, at the college level, sometimes when you start to play, if you're that big athletic downhill dodger, you know, people can fall in love with you. But, you know, if you can't connect on a pass or pop way to free your hands or, you know, understand what you have to do when, when, when somebody else comes to you, you know, I don't know if you're going to be that, that big of value. Um, you know, whereas some of the guys that get passed by are those guys that, you know, are the flow guys, as people would call them, that like can catch the ball, get it to the backside or, you know, move in space and, and you know, create the defense to kind of alter and change based on where they are. Um, and, and, you know, you, you really have to train your eyes to find those guys. It's the same thing defensively. I mean, people love the, the takeaway guy, the guy that gets up the field in transition. But, you know, I've, I've always valued defensemen and think that all Americans you know, in this sport, in, on the defensive end, should be based on who the best guys are off the ball, because those are the guys that hold the, you know, hold the defense together, and those are the guys that are, you know, worth their weight in gold. I mean, it's a sport where, you know, probably 85, 95, 85 to 90 to 95 percent of the game you're going to be off ball defensively, and if you're not good in those areas, you know, what good are you to your team? So, um, yeah, I think the, you know, sometimes people fall in love with big, athletic kids, you know, who can who can run, but there's so much more to this game. I mean, it's the ultimate multitasking game where you have so many different things you have to do. Last question, then I'll let you get out of here. How about just some advice you'd give to young players that want to play college lacrosse? What would you tell them to do? Oh, man. Um, I think for myself, it was trying to emulate guys that, that, that I looked up to. And uh, I think, you know, for me and for you growing up, you know, we didn't have the, the resource to be able to look on YouTube and, you know, go on the internet and find different things it was you know walking to games and it was you know watching practices and you know watching kids in high school that were older than you but um you know you latch on to somebody that does something really well and um that's worked hard to get to where they are and try to surround yourself with great people and typically your path will be one that at least success i love it well hey man good luck with the rest of the season thank you so much for coming on the show so um What's coming up next for you guys? Who you got this weekend? Uh, we play St. John's, man. Yeah. Unbelievably tough, gritty, well-coached team, and they kicked our ass last year. So um, you know, we're we're looking forward to competing against those guys this weekend. And I got the utmost respect for their staff. Those guys are great. So that's gonna be, that's gonna be a fun one. Well, fired up to watch you guys the rest of the year. Congrats on a great start, and good luck the rest of the way. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me.